This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. In Pittsburgh at Netroots Nation. And here with us is our dear brother, Kevin Miles of Community First Solutions. You all just saw us stream the big conversation last night. He also was wearing the hat today of the Southern Poverty Law Center and doing some incredible work. And so Kevin is here with me. We're going to hear about a panel. He, he's been in a few panels. We want to hear about one in particular. He just, I like those glasses. Those are bad. I have some a little bit like that. I wish I had them. I'm going to bring mine tomorrow so you can see. I'm changing the subject. I'm supposed to be something. <laughs> no, look, they, they're hitting. I just turn around. They, you know, they, they, but that's what happens when you do stuff. Like you be focused on stuff and then somebody do something fly like that and it just, so it worked. It, 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 that's the effect it had. So he's going to talk to us about the panel and talk to some of these dynamic panelists. So, brother, uh, tell us, first of all, well, thank you, man, for coming on Make It Plain. Welcome. Tell us about the panel you just attended. Okay, so this was an incredible panel where they were talking about, you know, can we be successful using black messaging to black audiences? And also, what's been wrong with the way that messaging has been used to black voters? Um, you know, and, and I don't want to step on their thunder or misrepresent anything, but it was very, very informative, and we've got some great folks that you're going to hear from right now. One is Miss Janae Cody, who is a behavioral data scientist who can go in depth and in detail about, you know, how the modeling in, uh, in, in the polling that goes out to our communities is often wrong, brings back bad results, and we are not talking to people in our communities and, and getting actual... Uh, getting actual responses from actual people and understanding what it is that actually motivates them to want to participate inside of this electoral process. Also we have Sister C.Ann Lewis who is a narrative data scientist which is a term that I learned today but also fascinating stuff because it talks about uh, that same behavioral science but also in terms of how we use language to actually motivate and move people uh, and, and what are those messages that people need to hear to be able to respond to. And then our brother Kwesi Chapin, who I've known for a very long time, all the way back to the New Organizing Institute, but he is now uh, running his own shop as, uh, as his own consulting company, who does this work also in terms of reaching out and motivating and moving black voters. So I want to pass the microphone to my sister Janae Cody and just ask you, can you talk just a little bit about um, what it is that you do as a behavioral data scientist and the messaging that we need to be focusing on if we want to move black voters. So I focus on understanding how the experiences, the behaviors, and the actions all influence political attitudes and how we show up, think, and organize our political behavior as African Americans. And so some of the work I do with understanding messaging is how do you construct messaging in a way that is consistent yet accounts for all of the variation within the black community and brings to bear all of the diversity of our experience and our political ideology. And how do you do that in a way that connects actions with attitudes to influence behavior, not just in a single election, but over a long term to accomplish a goal, to connect the very real work of turning voters out and improving voter turnout and connecting that with the accomplishment of political goals. Mm. Awesome. And so the same question for you, uh, Sister Lewis. Hi everybody, I'm Cianne Lewis. I'm the head of research at AB, which is a creative agency, black owned, uh, led by BIPOC folks. 
and we assist with branding and marketing and what I study, which is narratives. Narratives meaning the stories that are told overall about an issue or a topic and the stories that we tell ourselves about an issue or a topic. So in this panel, what I talked about is how narrative change is needed to both uh, help meet the needs of black people, to better talk about what black people need within the Democratic and Progressive Parties, and then to better talk about our issues. I advocate for narrative change all around mm. in order to build the political power that we need. The stories that we have are messed up. Mm. The way we're talking about the things that affect us is completely messed up. And when the Democratic Party talks about us as an incredible, powerful group of voters, that's not a monolith, but a large group of voters, the way that we are talked about is And, and the group of voters that keeps them in office. We are the, the people that keep them in office. The most loyal voting base, right. We are the most loyal voting base. Mm -hmm. But the way that we are talked about is unacceptable to me, and I'm working on narrative change there. Wow, wow. Come on, Quasi, get in all this right, frame so you right. see. Uh, Quasi Chapin. Uh, so, Chapin Consultant, and this really comes back to 2008 when I worked on the Obama campaign election and noticed how black boys were taken care of, and well, lack of taken care of back then. Mm -hmm. And I always didn't sit right with me in terms of the lack of how black data just wasn't there. Like, what, what makes us tick? What makes that move? And so, uh, this really uh, come back to then, like, it was gotten until 2020 came around, and we're doing down by elections with Color Change Pack. And it's not enough information still with black voters. And so, me reaching out to Dr. Cody here, and this sort of sparked this conversation around, well, it's not just, what do we not know about black voters around? Well, we're not a monolith, right? And what does that mean? And so, what does that mean? That means you have to talk to black people differently. When you talk to a black, older black man, it's gonna be different to a younger black man with no college degree, right? And so, those messaging and what that means, uh, just that's another overall thing of like, hey, if Democratic Party treated black voters like white suburban moms, mm. we would be treating uh, would be mm. a whole different situation. So that's sort of what sort of sparked this panel. And if you missed it, don't worry. We'll, we'll have, try to find another way to get this out there for y'all. Well, and you're doing it. Why, so, but why? Why do? Why does the Democratic Party treat us different mm. from white suburban college educated women? What is it? Cause, cause they they ain't been loyal. <laughs> them 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 they ain't loyal. They ain't loyal. There are several forces at play, but one that we've come back to again and again, and that Sion mentioned a few times, is that African Americans are politically captured. So what does that mean? That means that Republican electoral victories do not depend upon black votes. Mm. And because we vote as a single block right, right, for right. Democrats, they don't have to cater to us because we have no other place to go. So we're in this hard place where it's either turn out for Democrats or don't turn out at all. And, and, and then the Republicans get elected. That, right, right, right. Our votes are then taken for granted because people tend to think that we have no other alternative and they don't have to do anything. And we show up year after year despite all of our complaints, despite our issues not being resolved, despite our issues not being met. So for, you know, a while, at least until, you know, very recently, they have, you know, basically relied upon being able to bank on the black vote no matter what and it been reflected in how they actually fund us, how they actually support our work, how they talk about black voters, how they dismiss us. And there's also just a lack of understanding of our culture and our tactics and how we show up in this movement. 
So things get tagged as inefficient or cost ineffective without an understanding of the cultural work and the groundwork that has to be laid so that these other more cost efficient tactics can even work. And there's, you know, just, um, a, it, there is a unique place and a hard job for the person in black civic engagement because you are expected to perform miracles with very, very little at the last minute every year and you know what's coming. Yeah. So, you right. know, the work that we are all trying to do here is to take a step back and figure out ways that we can be proactive, that we can strategize, that we can use data, that we can use all of the information and expertise that you see here before us and not just give our brain trust over to the more paid, more well-resourced groups who exist in our space. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And you all, data-driven analysts and whatnot. No, I'm fine. You go. Um, but in doing that, is there a formula whereby we can also, as an electorate, no longer be taken for granted? Is is there some science in that? I mean, maybe not. I mean, because I, I know you're just looking at at the numbers. And that's the first part of question. Second part of question, I'm going to leave y'all alone because I know y'all just had a panel and I'm going to be taking time. <laughs> it seems that our enemies are reaching, correct me if I'm wrong, reaching our voters and manipulating our voters better than those of us who aren't our enemies are. So, for example, you know, the whole movement around turning a, 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 at least a percentage of black men toward Trump and, that, and, and all of that is online disinformation with Ice Cube's help. Um, I said it. I said it last night. I'm consistent. I'm calling him out. You know, you can't be after police one minute and then, you know, back to blue the next. And then, but wait a minute now. And now it's, it's working because that's what's going on in Georgia. Some, so there's a messaging that's going on to black men in Georgia whereby it's like, we're not going to vote for the sister for governor because what's she doing for black men? What's Brian Kemp doing for black men? So, I'm, so, those, so that's the, first of all, does you all's work contemplate a solution to us being taken for granted? And what about the disinformation messaging that actually seems to be effective? And why is that more effective? Well, I'll start with the disinformation because I study that all the time. You know, the short answer is it's really, really, really easy and effective to misinform and disinform people when people have been told something is bad, something is not good, something is a problem. So for instance, if you're told that, I don't know, black women are problematic and such, it's very easy to say to black men online, well don't vote for her, she's an issue. Right? You can link misogyny and not voting very quickly, very easily together, and we see that happen over and over, especially among black audiences. The second thing for misinformation is that a lot of it is not even funded from this country. The number yeah, one target, right. right, for Russian disinformers is black people. That's right. Right? That's right. 
But if you look at the subject matter, y'all, when I say that, y'all think I'm just be all I'm all conspiratorial. <laughs> this is an expert. <laughs> this is an expert yeah. telling y'all that. Go ahead. I'm come on. The second thing is if you look at the subject matter, the narrative that they use to effectively use misinformation, they fall into a couple of buckets that uh, emphasize societal problems among black people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is about manhood, not being able to provide, and flipping that on his ear and saying, if the system's not working for you, why participate in the system at all? Right, right, right. If you look at what we call the manosphere, Right? Y'all heard of the manosphere? No. Manos, man, with an M. Manosphere. Break it down. Break it down, sis. So on the, the manosphere is a series of organizations and uh, online content that's put out specifically to black men that, well, they have a lot of topics to talk about. A lot of it is becoming economically free, right? Being independent, being able to provide. These things that, which are elusive for black men overall in this country is much harder because of structural racism, right? But if in this manosphere you're being told that you need to spend your time working, you need to spend your time providing, you need to be a high-valued man and find a high-valued woman and such, on and on and on, and then if they say that the system is broken, why participate in voting? It all makes sense in the manosphere. Mm. You don't need to come out and vote. It doesn't matter anyway. Your vote doesn't matter anyway. What really matters is making the bag. Make this this dichotomy between earning and voting and participating, which makes a a lot of sense to a lot of black men, right? And it's a real problem, narrative-wise. So, but to answer your overall question, right? Right. Which is how to actually get the Democrats to treat us better? Well, the premise of the question is off. Really, what we're talking about is black political power. We're talking about political power in a way that hasn't been talked about in this country in a long time. I'm talking about changing the narrative where we as a people feel that we're actually powerful and have agency over ourselves and our lives. So if that, if you talk about power in a real way that people have access to, you actually can show up and change a school board election. You can change a prosecutor election. That's right. You can change how the laws are being implemented in your state. You actually have the power. If we really drive that narrative home, I think we'll see better results from our so-called Democratic Party. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So once people are able to harness their power by the stories we tell them and the stories we tell ourselves, then the Democratic Party would be irrelevant. Mm. Really. We know people can swing, swing all kinds of elections mm. on the state level. Right? We, you can't win the presidency without us. Right. But if we right. really, really drive home the narrative that we are, really are powerful and we have the agency in that power, then we're unstoppable. Y'all bad. Them, them, them glasses really are your superpower. Y'all. <laughs> All, all of y'all are, are, are great. These are some. Uh, it's okay. I don't, I don't mean it's no insult, but y'all like are y'all like nerds. <laughs> yes, nerds. So it's black nerd. Yes, black nerd. Uh, black, so. black nerd Proudly. magic. That's right. Proud. Yeah. Yes. So y'all proud of that? Oh yeah. See, if I had known we was coming up, being nerds was not cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if I had known it was gonna be as cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I messed up. Never too late to be in there. Never too That's late. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Might be a little late for me. Um, <laughs> Janae, Cody, Sion, Dr. Lewis, Doctor. So give me. Yes, right, Nick. Wow, mm-hmm. impressive. Where'd you go to school? Yeah. Notre Dame. You went to Notre Dame. The University yes. of Notre Dame. And that's where you got your PhD? Yes, sir. Yes. Where'd you go undergrad? Rutgers. Wow, impressive. Thank Outstanding. You. What about you? 
Where'd you go to school? I don't have no PhD. But, but that's cool. But you still obviously, <laughs> but you, but you still obviously real educated. Yes. <laughs> undergrad, I went to the College of William and Mary, and uh, grad school, I went twice. I have a degree in stats from Johns Hopkins, and then I have a degree in data science and analytics, also from Hopkins. Y'all hear how heavy these people are? Come on, brother. Listen, uh, University of Maryland uh, is where I represent. And you know he from, because that's how you pronounce it from down there. Maryland. You from you from the DMV, right? Merlin. You know what else we say? We say Mer, Mer, and Berry. We didn't, see, you know, we say Mer. That's what. <laughs> uh, this is great. Thank you all for being a part of the show. Thank you for bringing this crew over. You have any closing thoughts? I do not. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's you're normally broadcasting. You ca- when I throw something to you, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to come up with something. I'm glad we ain't on real white folks television. Or nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> You went to an education panel today, yeah. Too well, you know. We'll talk more tomorrow. Get kind of a debriefing from you, because we, you know, now where's everybody? Just, just be clear. Where are you all residing now? Are, you, are you, any of you here locally or what? Okay, where where are you based now? I am in Virginia. In Virginia, Lord have mercy. Washington, D.C. You in D.C. too, and you still in the area. Okay, yep. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But we here up here in uh, Pittsburgh, PA, y'all, talking with the family. And it's also good. I, I go back to the days of Netroots when it wasn't even as much color in, in it as it is now. But I'm glad to see folk here and y'all doing your thing. And uh, let's follow up. We need to have them come on. We do. And do some of the stuff we doing. You understand? Because this is some, you know, black nerd excellence <laughs> up in here. Up in here. Thank you all. Dr. Janae Cody. Yeah, Dr. Cody. Sion Lewis, Apostle Quasi Chapman. All right, we got everybody here. Thank y'all. Okay, thank you.